You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Hey, it's so good to see everybody this morning. Thank you so much for coming out to spend part of your busy day here with us as we worship the Lord. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been working our way through Jesus' words about discipleship in the second half of the book of Matthew. Now, just to remind you, in the first part of Matthew, Jesus is trying to teach the disciples who he is. So once they figure out in the middle of the book that he's the Messiah, he actually asks them, who do you think I am? And Peter speaks out for the group and he says, we think you're the Messiah. Okay. Jesus says, that's great. We can move on with the second part of the training now. And the second part of the training is to learn how to be disciple makers who make other disciple makers. That is what's going to move his church forward. So in today's passage... We find Jesus leaving the town of Jericho. It's coming very close. Right after all of this, we get the triumphal entry. So it is very close to the very end of Jesus' uh, life here on earth. He's leaving the town of Jericho, and on his way out, there are two blind men who start to shout, for him. Now it'd be common for beggars to sit in the city gates. Everybody is going to move in and out by those city gates. So if you're going to beg for money, that's the place to be. So they were sitting by the city gates. And we pick up the story. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. And when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting. And here's what they shouted. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and he touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. And then they followed him. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the disciples trying to keep some children away from Jesus. We actually related that to this story, uh, the word that the disciples rebuked the parents and the crowd yelled at the blind man. It's the very same verb. Uh, they, They were doing 
the same thing. The crowd here thinks these men just aren't important enough for Jesus to spend time with him. They're just not important enough. In fact, we don't even know these guys' names. Now, if you say, oh, but in the book of Matthew, one of them's identified. He's called Bartimaeus. Okay, I'll give you that. But you know what Bartimaeus means? It means the son of Timaeus. We still don't know his name. We know his father's name. His father's name was Timaeus. But he's not even important enough for the crowd to take the time to know their names. But Jesus takes time. He looks at them, he has compassion, and he heals them. Great story, isn't it? But there's something about the story that troubles me. In the story when Jesus talks to the blind man, first thing he does is he says, what do you want? What an unusual question. Isn't it obvious what they want? They're blind. It was obvious that they were blind. But Jesus asks, what do you want? They say, we want to see. But it's that question. What do you want? Why did Jesus ask them that question when it was so obvious what they were looking for. Well, the story occurs in a very specific context. And I think if we read the story that occurs just immediately after this one, well, uh, excuse me, right before this one, it kind of makes sense why Jesus asks the question. Now, the story right before this one is this. The mother of Zebedee's sons, it's James and John, came to Jesus. And kneeling down, she asked a favor of him. What do you want? Jesus asked. Do you recognize the question? It's the very same question Jesus asked the blind man. She says, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. The right hand and the left hand. Positions of honor. Positions of fame. Positions of power. Now, it may be that she was trying to set herself up so that her sons would be in very affluent positions so that when she and Zebedee eventually retire, she'll be good to go. That might have been taken place. It doesn't really matter. The point is, Jesus says, what do you want? And she asked for power. Give my sons power. Now, Jesus goes on to deal with this request for power. He looks at James and John, and he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they say, sure. 
if what's at play is the right hand and the left hand in your kingdom, we'll drink anything that you can drink. You know, the fact of the matter is they did. Now Jesus here is talking about his own death. You know, the first of the 12 to be killed, James. One of these guys that says, we can. They got to the point that they actually could, but Jesus goes on. He says, well, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. You're asking me for power. Here's a little secret, guys. I don't have the power to grant you power. That, those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. Now, the interesting thing about this story is there's a group that opposes James and John's request too. But here it's not the crowd. It's the other ten. The other ten come together. When they heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Not because the petition was inappropriate. It was, but that's not why they were mad. They were mad because they wanted the same thing. So when the ten got together, they were indignant about this. Jesus called them together and said, You know the rules of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. You know he's talking about, he's talking about the Roman government. And the Roman government right now is absolutely controlling everything that goes on in Judea. Jesus says, power? Is that the kind of power that you're looking for? Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, we remember that story. But it occurs in this context of Jesus looking at the two blind men He asked the same questions of John and James and the two blind men. In fact, in all of this story, there are quite a few parallels. We've looked at one already. When they come, neither one of them goes straight to the point. Both Zebedee's wife, James and John's mother, and the two blind men simply call out for attention. And Jesus starts by saying, what do you want? What is it that you're looking for? Then we get the request. James and John said, we want power. The blind men said, we want to see. Now, you know, they didn't have to ask for that. They were sitting by the city gates begging for money. 
They might have responded, give us money. But they didn't. They said, we have an essential core problem. We have a need that nobody else can solve but you. We want to see. Then we get Jesus' answer. To James and John, he simply looks and says, nope. You want authority? I can't give you that authority. You want that type of power? I don't want that for you. Not so among you. Nope. But he looks at the blind men. And when they say, we want to see, Jesus says, you know what? That's a good request. Let me do something about that. And Jesus touches their eyes. And he heals them. And they go away seeing. And here is the amazing thing to me. We catch the result. The two blind men follow Jesus. What about James and John? Did they learn anything from their lesson? The passage doesn't say that they did. And in fact, a week later, they find themselves in the Last Supper. And you know what Luke says they were arguing about in the Last Supper? Luke chapter 20, verse 24, says they were arguing among themselves as to who would be at the right hand and the left hand. They didn't get it. It didn't register with them. Jesus couldn't be clearer. He says, I don't want that for you. And they go away saying, yeah, but we still want that for ourselves. Wow. The two blind men, they caught their lesson. They understood. The guys that were actually following Jesus, not so much. So here we sit today. What do we learn from this? Well, the first thing that we learn, we have to know what to ask for. You know, when I, when I read over this story and thought about it again and thought about what I might share with you, one of the things that came to my mind is, what do I pray for? Could I be guilty of asking for the same thing that James and John were asking for? How much of my prayer life is spent asking for power? Uh, Lord, I don't feel so good. Help me to feel better. Help me to feel stronger. I want more power. How much of my prayer time is spent asking for wealth. Lord, I'm not sure I'm going to make my bills this month. Uh, bring me money. How much of my prayer life is spent asking for honor? 
Lord, I'm just not sure that so-and-so likes me that much. Help them to like me. Power, wealth, fame. Or do we pray like the blind men? Lord, I'm blind. Help me to see. Now my eyes may function, but I'm spiritually blind. There is just so much that I don't understand that I don't get. Help me to get it, Lord. I don't want to be like James and John. I want to be like the blind men. I want to see the things that you want me to see. So disciple makers know what to ask for. And typically they ask for things that may change them internally. But that's not the only lesson we catch from this from this uh, history of Jesus walking out of Jericho. The second thing that we can learn is that to follow Jesus, we've got to follow no matter what the crowd says. Now the crowd was saying, shut up, be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you. You know, a couple of years ago, about a decade ago, Time Magazine, uh, this was actually at the end of last century, they sent out a survey and they asked, who is the most popular figure of all human history? Guess who is number one? Jesus. By a landslide. Number two, came way down. Number two was Napoleon Bonaparte. So you can figure how far down the list he came after people said Jesus. Jesus is popular. Last year, the Pew Research Center reported that 30 years ago, 90% of Americans identified themselves as Christians. Today, 64% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. Now look at that change. That's just in 30 years, we've dropped from 90% to 64%. Jesus is popular. Following Jesus is not. And you know why? I've tried to wrap my head around that. The Pew Research article really didn't go into why it is because they didn't ask questions. But I think the reason that following Jesus is not popular is that when it comes down to it, you can look at Jesus and if you pick and choose from what he says, you can pick the things that you agree with. And following Jesus himself is a pretty popular guy. If you pick and choose what you agree with from what he said, 
And what do you pick? Oh, love each other. You pick, oh, religious authority is bad. You pick anything that doesn't challenge you. But if you decide to follow Jesus, you don't have the right to pick and choose. You've got to take it all. And when you look at everything that Jesus commanded, there are things that he said that will offend you. He said it would take place. He said, you know what? I didn't come to unite. I came to divide. He said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. He said, you're going to end up in courts. You're going to end up in prison. Some of you will end up dying just as I will die on a cross. And that happened. You know what? Follow anyway. Know that following Jesus is not popular. And that's okay. Because what Jesus calls us to is not a life of popularity. Jesus calls us to a life of following of being what he has asked us to be. Everything. When he stood on the mountain ready to ascend into heaven, he said, fellas, go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. Don't pick and choose. Don't take what's pleasant. Don't take what you agree with. Look at all of it. Teach them to obey Everything that I've commanded. Disciple makers follow. They do that. They obey. And they don't pick and choose at what Jesus has said. You know, over the last several months, at the end of the sermon, we've uh, had the practice of just kind of pausing and asking some questions. Is it time for you to take a look at your life? What is it that you're doing? Think about these questions. First of all, what did I learn today about being a disciple? Where in my life am I not being a disciple? Another way of asking that question. Where am I not following Jesus? Is it in my prayer life? Is it in what I ask for? Is it in not following in some area? All of us are following in many areas, or we wouldn't be here this morning. But where are we not following? 
what should I do this week to begin to follow? And then finally, who can I go to to make sure that I'm following? The disciples followed in a group of 12. Who's your group? Who do you go to to make sure that you're doing the right things? Lord Jesus, we come to you wanting to follow. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we have preferred to follow simply in those areas that were convenient to us. Help us to follow in the tough things. Help us to follow, Lord, when it's not easy to follow. Bring people into our lives that we can go to to help us be the kind of disciple that you want us to be. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.